Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Well, on this week's podcast, we're going to look at different topics, but all have a COVID theme, as you might expect in the current environment. So we hear from one business that really embraced the pivot, another that's trying to make sense of constantly changing guidelines, and anyone for tennis? I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast. We've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks about the power of the pivot, which is moving your business from doing one thing really well to doing another thing really well. And for many, that has been the transition to not quite exclusively online, but doing a heck of a lot more. And my next guest very much falls into that category. Maeve Dennehy from Love Cherish Boutique in Charleville. How are you? I'm good, Jonathan. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. Um, your brand is very popular in my house because you're very good at social media. Not that it comes up on my social media, but the woman I sit next to on the couch of an evening is forever showing me things from Love Cherish. Uh, you, you were always very good at it, but boy, did it come into its own in the last few months. Um, yeah, I suppose I've always been very strong in social media. Since I, since I started the business, we put a teaser on Facebook eight years ago and social media has always been a huge part of my business. Um. And I suppose when lockdown happened, I I closed probably earlier than other businesses. I was a bit nervous. My husband works in um, medical supplies and I could kind of see what was coming. And I closed a little bit earlier than everybody else. And then I decided to do something called lockdown dress up where I brought home so much stock, filled my car with all these ridiculously over the top occasion wear. And I dressed up every day at home and put them on just to cheer <laughs> people up and remind them that they have events and also to sell clothes. Let's be honest about it. Yeah, well, look at me. Come here. You still you still had a lot of clothes to sell, so there's no <laughs> exactly. point in not highlighting it. But you you kind of tapped into a vein because there was people at home, mm-hmm. um, and, and we've we've discussed this before. The mm-hmm. consumer demand hadn't gone away; just the availability of trying things on and going to a shop um, yeah. had. So, how how did you manage to convince people to part with their money when they mm-hmm. couldn't try on a dress? I suppose once the thing that I've always done in social media and I've continued to do is try them on myself. And get other shapes and sizes to try them on. Just, I suppose, I'm very much a real woman. I'm not that everybody is a real woman, but I suppose I'm probably relatable in the sense that I've had two kids and, you know, my age category and all the rest of it. And um, <laughs> oh, you're being very hard on yourself now. What you're trying <laughs> no, to say that is you're not you're not a teenage you're not a teenage no, skinny link. No, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> but a lot of my demographic can relate to me, I suppose, and they're familiar with me and they know my shape and size. And when I try them on, they kind of engage in that what they may be. Um, so we sold a lot of occasion wear, which was surprising during that time. But also I had to diversify and order in a lot, a lot of casual loungewear because realistically we were going to be at home for the long term, you know? Yeah, that's true. And I think everybody's getting used to kind of lolling around and whatever they put on in the morning. Yeah. But that that said, you were probably very nervous. Uh, you were nervous about closing the store. You were probably very nervous about how much stock you were going to shift. At what point did you realise, oh, this is actually going to be a very busy period for me and I need to get my act together? I suppose the first week of lockdown, I was like, I had gotten 13 boxes delivered the day I closed of like occasion where like a new Spanish brand I had gotten in, like, because we were getting ready for communion confirmation season. Like that is normally our bread and butter and, and weddings. Um, and like, I do a lot of casual, but it would kind of would have been my second, um, what I would have been known for it was occasion where, and I suppose I knew that week at home that I had to do something. I was, it was terrible getting my staff to fill out forms. 
um, to say that they were going to get the COVID payment. I had kept one girl on who looked after the online with me and um, I didn't know what I was facing, obviously. And then I realized that realistically, people were still engaging with me an awful lot on social media and saying, you know, that they looked forward to me trying on clothes every day. And I just thought I need to get in more casual stock. So I started showing more stock on social media that I wouldn't have shown before. Um, it would have sold away in the shop, but I would have never had to sell it on social media, I suppose. Um, so I started showing more of that, I started getting onto suppliers, seeing what I could get, because stock wasn't very easy to get either, but I had good relationships with suppliers um, who got me stock. And to be honest, those two, the first two weeks of lockdown were probably the highest sales I've ever had. Wow. Yeah. And you weren't yeah, expecting that. Incredible. And, and I have when, to go with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You no choice. But when you kind of when you settled into it then, mm-hmm. did you realise, well, actually, hang on a second. Here's a whole new market yeah. um, that Maeve Dennehy hadn't thought about before. She had concentrated on the personal, uh, really quality experience in the shop. Yeah. But the consumer wanted something else right now. So who was Maeve Dennehy to deny them that opportunity? Absolutely. Oh, no, I've changed my business completely since then, to be honest with you. We've increased staff. We have three new staff members my sales year to date are up over 70% and last year um, it's changed dramatically. Well, how I'm buying has changed because obviously for the for what it takes to set a product up online and photograph it and all of the rest of it, we're now changing, we're ordering higher quantities of, you know, whereas before we would have only done five or six of a piece, but that's not worth your while for the online. Um, so we've changed our buying, we've changed, we've had to change week by week, you know, as things have changed along the way. I did reopen the store a couple of weeks ago and I actually only opened for two weeks and I decided to close it again. Um, and at the moment, the online only is open. Now, we've kept the unit because I do hope to open the store again. But to be honest, it just wasn't financially viable in comparison when we're so busy online. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And do you think that you'll ever get back to that? Because it, look, it's a, it's a tactile business. You have to, a lot of people yeah. like to touch the cloth. They like to see the dress. They like to see the dress on themselves and then try the other one and try another colour. Do you think we're ever going to get back to that? Or will it be a hybrid of the two ultimately? Um, I think it'll be, I think you'll have to do both to survive. I think we'll have to have the online. I genuinely do really want to have the store as well. I have a really good customer base who travel here. I have really good support lo- locally. We, we are doing click and collect. I think that's really important. Like we've got a large volume of click and collect orders every day. So people still have that little bit of interaction with us. But it suits people who can't necessarily go out and about at the moment or, you know, have kids with them or whatever the case may be. Um, and that's definitely something that I want to keep because it's working really well. And I, I do think people still want that experience of dealing with people. Um, so if we can maintain that through the online and through the social media, great. But I think there's an element of trust in having the actual bricks and mortar store as well. Yeah, but look, you were limited to people who would travel to Charleville, which, no, you're you're well-placed there. Obviously, you draw a big yeah. audience yeah. from Cork, from Tipperary, mm, uh, from, yeah. certainly from Limerick. Yeah. Um, but are you starting to shift stuff elsewhere in the country now? Are you... Are oh, you God, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, to be uh, honest, some of my big, like my my counties, my main counties will be kind of Midlands and Dublin, to be honest with you. Um, so we are, and we always were, I suppose, we've been online for the last two years. I'm open eight years next week, um, and we've been online for two years. So I suppose when this happened, we already had a good customer base online that knew us and trusted us. And I do think there's kind of a resurgence towards supporting Irish and people wanting to buy from people when they don't have that interaction at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Did um, you do a little, a lot of companies did a little touch. They, they put a little handwritten note or they do a little something that went in. So it didn't feel like something clinical that came from a warehouse. Did you, did you do oh, that? We always did and we always do. And like, even if you order from us, you'll get an email from us that'd be like, thanks girl. Like I am Cork City born and bred and it'd be like, thanks girl. <laughs> 
don't worry, we're getting your order packed, we're sound, if there's a problem, contact us. It's very much like our whole brand is us speaking to you as we would and that's how we interact with people and people, we'd be very good for getting back to everybody on social media, everybody on email, on phone. Mm. You know, we've tried to maintain that level of support so that people know that they're dealing with a real business. Do you know what I mean? Um, and yeah, we've but- been showing people our staff and all the rest of it. Like next week we're doing for our eight year birthday, we're going to do um a video with all of our staff members and introducing them all to chat so that people know who they're dealing with and that they know that they're supporting you know an irish business that has 10 employees you know yeah well but it's fabulous you 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 thought you'd have two now you've got oh, 10 um what's the biggest thing you learned Maeve uh during that kind of rapid madness uh you you had to deal with covid number one like the rest mm-hmm. of us but then you were beautifully distracted by a business that was taken off like a rocket what's the biggest thing you learned um the biggest thing i learned um i suppose is that you just have to make decisions you have to you can't sit back and watch others you can't and that's something i've learned massively in the last few months anyways you have to focus on your own business and you have to look at what your needs are your customer needs and go for it and that's what i've done you know i've been like what do i actually want right now and that's what i've bought in and that's what's worked for me you know when you are in the middle of all of this then, uh, yeah. trying to grow your business, you then decided that you were going to run a campaign to make face masks for Marymount, support oh, yeah. Marymount, because I know Marymount <laughs> is a is a very, it's a, you've, you've got great time for them and, and there's a yeah. personal link there. Why? Why do, in the middle of all of that did you decide to, to support you know, a charity? I suppose, like, I didn't want to sell face masks and they are available to our suppliers. Like, we can get them through our, to the suppliers I deal with every day. And every day I was getting messages from like 20 different suppliers with images of different face masks and it just didn't sit well with me it just wasn't something I ever opened the store to do and I know this is a global pandemic that nobody expected but it just wasn't what I wanted to do um and then I was looking at every other store I was doing it and I was like what am I going to do here and I just thought I was due to have an event for Marymount back in March anyway and it would have been my second large event for Marymount we had sold out 600 tickets and I refunded all of them because obviously the event couldn't go ahead and lots of those customers didn't want a refund. And I just, I wanted to give them the opportunity because obviously a lot of people are affected financially at the moment. And then I thought, what about if I sold the face masks and gave all the profits to Marymount, thinking I would sell 250 face masks and we ended up selling 1,200. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Like I think we raised, oh God, 30 something thousand. Um, so yeah, it blew me away. It did, but it was it was crazy. Look, I took on too much. It was a huge demand. It was busy. It was hard. But we did it. Mm. Maeve, I'm conscious that 2020 is a, is a crap year, right? And we're all going to look back and say on, Chris, on New Year's Eve and hopefully say, well, good riddance and 2021 is going to go on. But you've mm-hmm. taken a lot out of this year as well. And and your enthusiasm uh, is, is slightly infectious, I have to say. Thank you. Thank uh, you I mean, what, what do you want to say to, to the people right now uh, look, and there are businesses who are struggling and there are people who are struggling um, mm-hmm. and, and they just want a little bit of that Maeve infectiousness. What what, what do you want to say to them? Like, I suppose I see businesses closing down every day. A, a business that I'd be close to up in Newbridge just announced today they're closing and they have a fantastic store and it is awful for people and I would hate to ever come across that I'm gloating or, or anything like that. It's just, for me, I just focused on my customer needs and just you know, worked on maintaining customers I have and, and growth as a result, you know what I mean? Like, just literally head down, focus on the business you have and what you can do with what you currently have is what I've done and that's what's worked for me. 
Well, I look forward to the phone being shown to me going with that famous phrase that, that <laughs> developed in lockdown. What do you think of that? And uh, nine times out of ten, it's love, cherish. That's being no, shown I'm across really to me. I'm really lucky that people do interact with my social media. And it's great, you know. And for me, as well, I, suppose I miss the interaction in the shop. I do, you know. And that gives us that, which is fantastic. And, you know... I suppose it's free advertising as well, Jonathan. Like, you'd be crazy to not use social media. That is but it's free. Like. Look, as I said, look, as the old saying goes, if you have it, flaunt it. <laughs> Lovecherish.com is the website address. Maeve Denny, it's been a pleasure and we wish you and all your team the very best of luck. Thanks Thank for joining Thank you so much, Jonathan. I appreciate it. Thank you. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. Well, we've been speaking to lots of people about rules changing and boy, have they changed a lot in the last couple of weeks, particularly for those in the hospitality sector. You can't exactly stick a partition across a hotel room, for example, and pretend that it's two separate rooms. So the rules are now stricter. And what does that mean for restaurants and particularly those who are looking to run weddings. I'm joined on the line now by the manager of the Glass Curtain on McCurtain Street in that famous Thompson's Bakery. Brian Murray, the manager. How are you, Brian? Yeah, it's a massive building, all right. The history is great. We opened in December last year. So, um, yeah, I had I just moved home kind of last March and the plan was always to open up a restaurant. So, found the location and just uh, stuck with it, got it all set up. We were going going really well, really, for the first three and a half months. And then uh, all of a sudden, uh, like everyone else, we were closed for three and a half months. And, you know, getting back into it now, um, still, you know, it's still fairly challenging, obviously, uh, unpredictable. But we're not doing too badly, you know. Yeah, I, look, it's it's difficult. And as we've spoken to everybody in the industry, it's been difficult for everyone. But then the rules keep changing, as I said. Uh, you are doing intimate weddings, um, which is effectively the small wedding that is allowed right now, are you? Yeah. So we had a couple of inquiries well before lockdown of people just wanting, you know, small intimate thing. Um, and then I suppose it was about a month ago now, since reopening we got we had one couple on to us asking if we could do it because you know they want extra privacy for the family and you know whether they have young people or old people there they don't want to be in a kind of a general public setting so i figured it would be quite good to go forward with that there'll obviously be a lot of people in that situation now and we could you know let them give them the use of the whole restaurant for we can do up to kind of 35 people so, yeah, we were starting to promote that now and getting a lot of emails, getting a lot of inquiries and things. Yeah. Find the right fit for people now is the, is the thing, you know? I mean, you, effectively, it's the private hire of the yeah. entire restaurant, isn't it? Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, what are the rules now for weddings? Because we know that they've changed. And again, as we're yeah. painfully aware, after golf games, they, they've changed quite a lot. What are the rules at this exact moment in time for somebody who wants to have a wedding? Yeah, so... I was a bit confused as well myself by it because just then when the new restrictions for restaurants came out last week, I was looking and it's obviously maximum groups of six people indoors and 15 outdoors. And then underneath it says, and, and 50 people for wedding, including staff. So I was wondering, you know, how does that work or where they're supposed to have the wedding? But I was onto the citizens information and they're saying weddings are kind of exempt from the six person rule, but you do have... You have to wear a mask at all times other than while you're seated at your table. It's still a maximum of six people at any table. 
Um, and so mask on arrival, mask if you're going to the bathroom, mask if you're dancing or whatever. And then it's the 11.30 curfew, so everyone has to be out by 11.30, which is the same anyhow for the restaurant. And uh, I guess that's they're, they're the main ones, you know. Mm. Does it take a lot of the crack out of the wedding to, to have to impose all those restrictions on people? Or are they reasonable? And th- do you think people will will be responsive? If they can have the wedding, they'll just stick by those rules and that's it. Yeah, I think so. You know, it depends a bit on the setting and it depends on on, on the group, obviously. Um, like we've, we've done one and that was only, it was very small. It was 10 people. Um, now, this was before the six-person rule, so they were all on one long table. But I mean... They weren't in any case going, it's not um, going to be the same as your big hotel wedding where everyone's, you know, big all-nighters and out partying and dancing, you know, so it's going to be a little bit more in by nature, mm. just a bit more relaxed, you know, but still they can have great food, listen to music, you know, they can have a few drinks, you don't, it's just less, there's less, um, less interaction, I suppose, less up and down and. Yeah, I mean, Brian, th- this isn't what you'd want for your restaurant, right? But, I mean, you are adapting to it. When you say you came back to Cork and you opened it, where did you come back from? Um, so, most recently, I suppose, I was in uh, I was in private chefing for about five years. So, on, mostly on private yachts around the Caribbean, the Mediterranean, the US, Canada. So, a lot of travel. And then, previous to that, was in Dubai for five years. So, away for 10 years, all, all in all. In, all. Well, to be fair, I mean, the fact that you can no longer leave where you are, I mean, that's one way of stopping and nipping the travel bug in in, yeah, in the backside. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. one way of describing it. But that yeah. said, Brian, um, the venue you chose for your restaurant, it's a bit special building, a very historic building in Cork, uh, but I'd imagine one that needed a good bit of work. Oh, yeah, it was, I mean, like, it was just a total shell when when we saw it first, like, you know, Um so it had there never been a restaurant here before or something. They had kind of done a bit of a refit of the whole building that where they're now they're getting more and more is opening up in the building as well. Um the Thompson's brewery and bar bar restaurant just opened a couple of weeks ago and the other units in front are all filling up. So it's getting a bit more bringing back to life, you know, the the building. So it's great like yeah, and, and not even that, but McCurtain Street, we've talked about it before, uh, it, it's undergoing a bit of a transformation, isn't it? Because it was, it was the place where you got stuck in traffic um, and there there were some places you could go out, but it really is turning into a destination now. You, you, you can start at one end of the street and you can dine in a different restaurant or, or pub or whatever uh, for at least a fortnight before you reach the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's massive now. Like, it's definitely, and to be honest, even over the years when I'd come back, it was always kind of, one of my favorite streets and even as a teenager i'd be you know coming up the whole time to crowley's in there playing guitars and things and <laughs> oh i've kind of had a bit of an affinity with the streets so you know the jazz fest does that does that does, does that mean that you're now willing to put yourself in there not just as the chef but as the musician for any of these small weddings could you double up i don't think i'll be doubling up on that i wouldn't want to be you know i'll stick to what i'm what i'm good at now that was a long time ago <laughs> <laughs> Look, if people are interested in that small little intimate wedding and, and they think the glass curtain is the place for them, fingers crossed the restrictions uh, that are there now, they're not going to be there forever. But if they they were thinking about it right now, how do they get in contact with you? So they can email us at um, manager at theglasscurtain.ie 
or um, they can give us a call. Um, I think your number is 021 451 8659 is the number for, for the glass curtain. That's it. Brian, we wish you the very best of luck. I mean, what a time to start a new business. Uh, stick with it. Um, People are still going in there and they're enjoying their meals. And by the sounds of it, it's a great place for weddings as well. And uh, let's get back to the point at which you're you're out the door every single night of the week uh, without having COVID over our shoulder. Brian Murray, the manager of The Glass Curtain, thank you so much for joining us on Red Business. Thanks a million, Jonathan. Sound. Red Business. Cork's exclusive business podcast. Sport has obviously been one of the few things that kept us sane during COVID-19 and one of the safest sports we were told from the start was tennis, which means that it's not a bad time to be part of a tennis club. So we said we'd speak to the head tennis coach at one of the biggest tennis clubs in Cork at Bishopstown Tennis Club. Connor Toobie, how are you? Very good, Jonathan. Good to talk. How has it Good to talk to you as well. How has it been for you guys since you were able to restart? I presume you're very busy. Um, well, it was an uncertain time and we were worried about what way it would be. But to be honest with you, Jonathan, it's been unbelievably busy since we came back. I suppose with COVID and natural social distancing with tennis, we were one of the sports that people said, well, if they hadn't played before, they said they'd try and we're so happy at the moment because the club has never been so busy. We've never had so many new members. We've never had so many inquiries about tennis coaching. So overall, I can't complain, Jonathan. So look, it's an ill wind and all that, but you had to implement a lot of changes at the club as well, I'm presuming, so that you could stay on the right side of the regulations. Yeah, well, obviously, groups are smaller than they used to be before. The clubhouse is... It's not accessible anymore, obviously with COVID, but I suppose it's a double-edged sword in that kids are actually going to get better quality coaching because we're now forced to have smaller groups. And with smaller groups, adults and kids, they benefit because the instruction is much better and you can spend more time with the clients. So in that respect, it's worked out well for everybody. Yeah, and... Absolutely, it has. And I see from even my own local tennis club in Whitechurch, it's never been busier up there. And it, it's a good thing because it's a very athletic sport and it's really good at keeping your fitness up, not to mention getting kids off PlayStations. Oh, absolutely. The good thing about tennis is a lot of the other sports and all the other sports are brilliant in their own right, but they largely train mostly at weekends and play at weekends. Tennis is a sport you can play seven days a week. You can ring up your friend. You can have lots of unstructured play in tennis. So if an adult wants to meet somebody and play tennis, they'll always find someone else to play at any time of the day. But especially children. For example, my own kids, they walk down to the tennis club and they could be down there for two hours in unstructured play. So we we offer structured coaching, but also there's the advantage of unstructured play, which I think is missing from a lot of sports these days. Mm. I mean, the one thing about tennis is it's actually really good value to be a member of a club, but you're still businesses at the end of the day. You have to not necessarily keep the lights on, although there are lights in some clubs, but you need to be able to make sure everything is maintained and you can provide the service that you want to. As a business, was it harder then pre-COVID, strangely enough, than it was post-COVID? Um, it was totally different, Jonathan, because pre-COVID... 
you would have been always so for example we'd need to employ a certain amount of coaches so we'd make we'd need to make sure that we have enough kids to pay the wages of those coaches since covid surprisingly enough we're near the demand is so big we can't actually get enough coaches to fill the demand so the landscape has changed from that point of view we're also in the process of trying to rejuvenate the club. So we're looking at getting covered courts and the cost of this is huge. So our only concern with COVID is, are things like lottery funding or lottery grants going to be affected? Because at present, there's no indoor tennis facility in Cork. And we're one of the few clubs that is really driving towards getting this because we cannot grow the game unless we have covered courts. And mm. that's priority in Bishopstown, really, at the moment. Well, now is the time to plan for that in a post-COVID environment as well, where we'll all be able to go back indoors. But in, in the meantime, I suppose schools going back uh, will mean that, uh, obviously, the kids will be off the courts largely yeah. during the day. But the good news for you, that's when the mammies and the daddies might want to get back onto court as well. So even though the kids aren't there, it won't mean that the courts are empty, I'm presuming. Yeah, well, one of the biggest things I've seen is pre-COVID, everybody was working in the office. Now everybody is working from home or a large group of people are working from home. So now they're more flexible with their time. So before I would have had to turn down a lot of lessons because I wouldn't have had times in the evening when people were free. But now because they're working from home, they're more flexible. So I'm seeing a huge demand for beginners, adults, adults lessons at times that would have never been peak hours before. So for example, 10 to 12 in the morning between one and three because people are working from home they're way more flexible with their time i think it's actually Mm. going to make people healthier because they're working from home if that makes sense and do you think the change in the work-life balance is important here as well but there will come a time when people go back and work in the office but they'll still be more conscious of how flexible their time can be. And look, an hour of tennis is as good as an hour's walk or, or maybe an hour where you sit in your backside and do nothing. Oh, listen, an hour's tennis beats anything else. I think personally gyms are for lazy people. If you want to exercise, tennis is brilliant. You get aerobic exercise, you get physical exercise as in strength, strengthening of your muscles. Cognitively, you have to read the game. You're competing. It's very social. It's a great way to meet people. I'm, I'm not, not just saying this because I'm a tennis coach, but I know tennis is one of the best sports you can play. And for a very reasonable price, Jonathan, I mean, membership in our club is very reasonable and you can play 365 days a year, 14 hours a day. I mean, that's good value. Well, look, fingers crossed it'll all continue to grow and the people who have taken up the sport will keep at it uh, and, and you'll have extra courts indoors to look after them in the years ahead. If people are looking to join you, Connor, at Bishopstown Tennis Club, how can they find you? Uh, they just go on to Bishopstown website, Bishopstown Tennis Club website, and all the details are there and we'd be quite happy to talk to anyone that's interested in joining. Okay, so just Google Bishopstown Tennis Club and uh, you could join the ranks of people who think gyms are indeed for losers. Connor <laughs> Toomey of Bishopstown Tennis Club. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Jonathan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. My thanks as always to all of my guests. Don't forget, if you want to take part in this very podcast, it's Red Business at redextra.ie. 
Myra Hayesgoff was the producer. All episodes are on redextra.ie. I'm Jonathan Healy, and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.